You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the Rand Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Emily Ashenfelter. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from Rand's latest research and commentary. It's September 17th. High prescription drug prices in the U.S. drive up overall health care costs and lead many patients to forego their medications. So, what if U.S. drug prices were linked to prices in other countries? This approach is called international reference pricing. It was included in a 2019 bill that Congress is still considering today. The bill would allow the Secretary of Health and Human Services to negotiate prices with drug manufacturers on behalf of Medicare and private insurers. It would cap those negotiated prices at 120% of the average price of a prescription drug in six other high-income countries – Canada, the UK, Australia, Germany, France, and Japan. So, what would the effects of this change be? A new RAND study finds that if this policy had been in place in 2020, then it could have cut U.S. spending on insulins and dozens of top brand-name drugs – by 52%. That's a savings of more than $83 billion. International reference pricing could yield considerable savings in the United States, says Andrew Mulcahy, lead author of the study. While our analysis does not consider all issues that might be involved in adopting reference pricing, Mulcahy continues, it does demonstrate the magnitude of the savings that might be achieved. Earlier this month, federal action to prop up America's state-based unemployment system came to an end, affecting millions of Americans. This expiration of pandemic-era benefits highlights the underlying flaw of unemployment insurance, says Rand's Catherine Edwards. Businesses, which fund the program through payroll taxes, see little, if any, direct upside. This financing scheme potentially raises taxes on businesses that are struggling, while failing to stabilize employment during a major disruption, like the one we're all still living through. And because states are free to decide how big the benefits are, how long they last, and who's eligible to receive them, it's not surprising that both the generosity and relevance of unemployment insurance have eroded over time. The enormous size of the federal relief package shows just how inadequate benefits really were, Edwards says. She concludes that lawmakers face a choice, quote, Congress can continue ignoring unemployment insurance and limp through each new crisis, applying expensive, short-term fixes each time, or it can provide workers and businesses with the certainty of an effective, efficient program that will withstand the next crisis. Speaking of Congress, let's flash back to March 2020, when Rand's Jennifer Bowie was testifying before lawmakers about what the U.S. could expect from COVID-19. It wouldn't just be an epidemic of disease, Bowie predicted. An epidemic of discrimination would soon follow. She was right. Anti-Asian hate crimes increased by nearly 150% in major American cities in 2020, spurred by political rhetoric that sought to focus the COVID-19 conversation on China. A recent survey found that one-third of Asian adults in America fear being threatened or physically attacked. As part of a series of conversations with Rand President and CEO Michael Rich, 
Bui and fellow RAND researcher Liu Dong discussed this troubling rise in anti-Asian hate and their ongoing research to better understand it. This conversation appears as a new Q&A on the RAND blog. In it, Dong and Bui discuss the data they're collecting to understand how Asian American and Pacific Islander communities are countering racism, as well as the health, well-being, economic condition, and vulnerabilities of these communities. Dong says she and Bui want their project to be a first step toward establishing relationships with community partners and collaborating on research. Immigrant communities especially often have no voice at the national level, she says. One way to tackle that is with research that can empower people by providing them with the best possible evidence. Rand has the experience to inform policy at the national level. Louisiana and its neighbors have been hammered by storm after storm, most recently Hurricane Ida, which left dozens of people dead, more than one million without power, and hundreds needing rescue. What might it take to help communities that experience continuous disasters not only recover, but also reduce the risk they face in the future? According to Jay Bologna of the Party Rand Graduate School and Rand's Aaron Clark Ginsburg, it's important to address physical infrastructure, like levee systems and power grids, but infrastructure can't be the only focus. It's also essential to look at how disaster preparedness and response systems can actually create risk themselves by reinforcing wealth inequality, systemic discrimination, and disparities in access to services. Without addressing these issues, they say, communities that face a cycle of disasters may never truly recover. The vast majority of U.S. military personnel are not extremists. But recent reports of current or former personnel engaging in extremist activities and violence, including the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, have highlighted the threat of extremist activity in the military. A new RAND paper examines the scope of the problem and evaluates how to effectively prevent, detect, and address extremism in the ranks. The authors outline key recommendations for the Pentagon, including engaging the wider military community in efforts to combat extremism, rather than focusing only on service members. This wider community would include DOD civilian employees, military spouses, and the children of service members. The authors also recommend coordinating information sharing between civilian and military law enforcement agencies, and taking a community-based approach that uses existing military programs to address extremism. This could help prevent service members and their families from associating with extremist groups, and it would help the military respond sooner and more effectively if members do engage in extremist activities. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. We're off next week, but we'll be back in your feeds on October 1st. See you then.